Amateurs, amateurs, life is so much more than a football game. Amateurs, amateurs, hopefully you'll listen and be entertained. And if you don't like what we have to say, we don't care because we don't get paid because we're amateurs, amateurs. Life is so much more than a football game. Amateurs, amateurs. Hopefully you listen and be Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you guys again for joining us. If you like what we have to say, click that subscribe button just down below you. Leave us a comment. We'll check them out. And if you have a topic that interests us, maybe we'll bring it up on the show one day. So we got news that the legend, the myth, the man himself, Philip Rivers, retiring. What are you guys thinking about that? Where do you think he falls in the history of the NFL and what do you guys think of him as a player how do you enjoy his career do you think he's Hall of Fame what do we got on him other than the fact that he may have been one of the most entertaining trash talkers uh, to ever come into the league I kind of want to start with that and say that um, he's one of the most entertaining players we've ever had in the NH or um, in the NFL He's, I mean, he always was funny, He and he always lived in the moment. His press conferences were, I mean, they were always a blast to watch. So football aside, I think he was a really great person for the NFL. Yeah. I feel like I need, I'm hoping I they... I need to make the same mistake where I almost say the NHL instead of the NFL. So <laughs> Philip Rivers... If you guys was, don't Philip notice... Rivers, Philip Rivers was amazing big NFL in the NHL. Fans. That's all I know. We're big NHL fans, me and Hunter. Jordan's giving us crap. He's not a big hockey fan. We are. We'll have a segment about that later. Uh, I'm actually repping my team, the Washington Capitals. Ovi, I'm with you during lockdown. I feel you, brother. Um, back to the topic at hand. I do hope, entertainment-wise, that they keep Phillip Rivers on Gridiron Heights because whenever he makes an appearance on Gridiron Heights, that's one of the most entertaining things that I watch all week. Uh, I'm, I'm being fluffing serious. <laughs> his his lines on there are just simply hilarious. Jordan, what do you got on it? I thought he was entertaining. I thought he was solid. He played as a starter for 17 seasons, so that obviously indicates he played better than whoever was the other option. Um, I'm not feeling Hall of Fame. I'm, I'll be honest. I don't I don't think he uh, he's got a lot of stats, um, but you know if you play for 17 years, the stats are going to come. 63,000 yards plus. Um, he had over 400 touchdowns, over 200 interceptions. All that's going to come with with with, with the, um, you know, with just him starting, with him being. Here's the thing: I don't, I don't think he's Hall of Fame. And, and here's why: now I've seen him be interviewed. He seems like a nice guy, family man. Seems that way. I've never met him, but he just seems like a glorified, or not a glorified, but a slightly better Tony Romo. Tony Romo played 14 seasons, um, significantly less yardage. I think uh, Tony was in the. 34,000, um, so definitely 20, 25,000 yards less. Of course, he played three less seasons, so if you you know extrapolate Tony's career over an additional three seasons, you, you kind of shorten the gap a little bit. Tony was in the 248 touchdown, 117 pick. Um, four Pro Bowls, Tony Romo. Um, Philip Rivers, eight Pro Bowls. You know, I don't really put a whole lot of emphasis on Pro Bowls because you, with guys who bow out, 
you all you have to do is be the best, the fourth best quarterback in your conference. So you literally could be the eighth best quarterback in the league and make the Pro Bowl. So okay, eight times Philip Rivers was the eighth best quarterback in the league. That it's not nothing, but it's not really impressive. No Super Bowl appearances, no MVP votes. I don't think he's Hall of Fame. Man, what did what did he do to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guys, I'm on the fence about this. I I go either way on this one. There, there's a lot of comparables that I have that are in the Hall of Fame, and there there's some comparables like Jordan just brought up that are not in the Hall of Fame. 400 touchdowns is what stands out to me, and then I think back to when he was in his prime in San Diego, uh, when it was the San Diego Chargers. Dude, some of the teams they had, they were really, really good. And they ran into some exceptional Indianapolis Colts or uh, led by Peyton Manning or Tom Brady-led Patriots teams in the playoffs, and they were gut-wrenching, heartbreaking losses. But I remember watching those games. Phillip Rivers hung in there with some of the best quarterbacks. You look at his contemporaries, I mean – there's there's the there's the Eli Manning debate. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Does he not belong in the Hall of Fame? If Eli gets into the Hall of Fame with with the statistics that he had, I believe a sub five hundred record, two Super Bowls and, and whatever statistics he had, then I think Rivers gets in. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's the type of guy that maybe in uh, a a quarterback less year or when he finds his way back into the news, uh, or maybe when we realize that those 400 touchdowns, there's not many quarterbacks doing that anymore. Maybe he gets in. I, I go either way on this one. Hunter, what do you think? The, or Jordan, do you got something you want to say to that? The, the Hall of Famer argument boils down to whether you think championships matter um, for a resume. I think for football, I don't think it should matter because football is the biggest team sport um, maybe in the world. Um there's not a whole. I, I understand that he's the quarterback. I understand that that's the most p- important position. But there's a lot of other factors that go into winning a championship, and he has the top five stats. And I think for me, stats is all that you need to to be a Hall of Famer. So I would say that Phil Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Hey, can someone pull up stats comparing Dan Marino to Philip Rivers? Dan Marino uh, is six. Well, this. he's six in yards, and Rivers is fifth in yards. I have that right okay. now. There you go. In that case, as a Dolphins fan, Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. I, Unlike Hunter, I do put a lot of importance on championships. I feel like it's a complete package. Especially for the time that he played, Dan Marino is a Hall of Famer. Uh, we've, we've had the discussion on where I feel like he falls with, with other quarterbacks. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of other Dolphins fans on that or even media for that matter. Um, so I would say if, if his stats are better than Marino, you, you gotta give it to him. He had, he put his team in a position to win constantly. I, just because his, his organization was dysfunctional and wasted years when he had loads of weapons around them and took weapons away or didn't give him what he needed to win. I mean, I think it shows what he could do that at the age he is, he took an Indianapolis Colts team as far as he did. They just ran into a Bills team that uh, I'm, I'm tasting blood right now, wanting to bite my tongue, but we're just hotter than the Indianapolis Colts were. 
and that's uh, uh, that's all there really is to it. I get that his stats are better than Marino's. Um, I think there's a factor. You have to prorate Marino's stat. Marino would have significantly more yards and significantly more touchdowns if, if Marino played in the game today. So I don't necessarily think that because Rivers has the advantage in just the time frame that he lives in, yeah. that you're going to say he was better than Dan Marino. No one's going to pick Philip Rivers to be their quarterback over no. Dan Marino in their prime. So and people I want are to allowed to take Marino's head off. You can't there's, hit a quarterback for that. There's a, a just the, the fact that Marino has a Super Bowl appearance is really, really important. I, I, I do put em- emphasis on championships, um, but I put more emphasis on appearances. And we're going to, at some point when, when we have a slow week, you know, after football season and everything, we can, um, we can dive real, real deep into who's better, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Um, we don't need to get into that today. But LeBron James is putting on – LeBron James is, is stacking a resume not based on wins. He only has four championships, but he's been there ten times. I think if Phillip makes it to a Super Bowl, I get that he played in the era of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. Let's let's not forget Ben Roethlisberger had had three appearances during the same amount of time, um, and Baltimore had had an appearance. He he, it was it was tough. It was tough for him. It's unfortunate that those were the speed, but those were the problems that he had to face. But if he has one appearance, I say sure we, we can compile that with the stat. He has zero Super Bowl appearances. He has no MVPs. I think it's unfair for us to put so much emphasis on on Super Bowls and championships and appearances on the quarterback when we don't for other players. For instance, Calvin Johnson. It does not matter that he does not have a Super Bowl appearance. He was the best wide receiver in the league for basically six straight seasons. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, and when his card is pulled, you know, I forget three years or however long it's been since he's been retired. That's going to be great. We don't put the same amount of emphasis on skill position players or even offensive linemen for that matter. But the fact is he played with probably the best running back in the NFL at the time, LaDainian Tomlinson, and he couldn't make it happen. He couldn't even get there. And so I, unfortunately that matters. It, it really matters. But let's also let's not let's not say he's better than Dan Marino just because his stats are a little better because yeah. that that's ridiculous. I'm not saying he's better than Dan Marino, but I'm saying that if you're strictly statistical, then his statistics are better than Dan Marino's. He's he's by statistical guidelines a better quarterback. I that being said, I, I, I get it. I, I get it. It's more than stats. Marino would have had a longer career playing in this in this time frame because he he wouldn't have been hit as many times as he was. Marino also would have better numbers playing in the time that he did because the game is completely different. I I understand what I understand your point where you're coming from. But if statistics is all that matters to get in Canton because it's it's such a team game and what are Ladanian's top what are Ladanian Tomlinson's numbers in the playoffs? What are what what are his defense's numbers in the playoffs? I mean, you mentioned Baltimore. Joe Flacco is a terrible quarterback. I never liked him, and as soon as he left, but he had a Super Bowl. He had a Super Bowl not because he was a great quarterback, but because the team around him came together. They had the coaching, they had the defense, they had the team. They were organized. I'm going to disagree. Philip Rivers has never had that. I'm going to disagree with that because you're right. Joe Flacco is not a Hall of Famer, and he does have a Super Bowl. And there's exceptions to all rules. But Joe Flacco in the playoffs played 
lights out. I think Hunter, maybe we can fact check this. I think he was nine touchdowns and one pick in that postseason run. It's close enough. He was amazing. Um, and let's and let's let's be real. Eli Manning. You said if Eli gets in, then Philip has to get in. Eli Manning had two Super Bowl run, two postseason runs where he was dropping dimes. He took on the undefeated Tom Brady, New England Patriots, and he punched him in the mouth. So if Eli gets in, I think he deserves it as well. There is you can't you can't say it's only stats and postseason doesn't matter. By the way, too, you said that that what did LT do in the postseason? I think a lot of that comes on LT. I think a lot of it comes on your leader. It comes on your captain, man. You got to rally the troops. Tampa Bay is in the championship game, and it it's because they had a really solid foundation of players. But Tom's the one that got them there, man. They're they're not there without Tom Brady this year. So you. Your quarterback makes your entire team better. You have to lead that way. And he was never able to lead with such passion and ability to invigorate and breathe life into his team in the post. He had 17 tries at it, and he and he, he, almost, he almost won an ASU championship team with a torn ACL like two minutes into the yeah. game. <laughs> and, I, and I think if, if that's, that's what you're grading it on, I'm going to say that's going to be up to his contemporaries. I've never heard anybody say a negative thing about following Philip Rivers ever. I, if if that's what, so far if it's based on statistics, even though I'm indifferent to whether he gets in or not, I'd say you got to give it to him because the statistics, the statistics are there. If it's based off of was he a good leader, you got to give it to him because his teammates love playing with him. Yeah, I they mean, love losing. As far as they love losing. Okay. But they didn't lose. But they didn't lose a lot. Seventeen like, times towards didn't. towards towards the end of his career, when the team started, the team around him started to not be very good. That's when the losing started happening, and you could tell as a winner he was frustrated. But I remember the beginning of his career. If you would have if you would have picked between Eli Roethlisberger and Rivers, at least for the first seven years of their careers. It was a toss-up between Roethlisberger and Rivers, but if you ask which one was truly the better quarterback, everyone hands down would have taken Rivers. Talent-wise, what he was doing on the field, he was the better quarterback. He just ran into some really, really, really good teams. The Steelers team that was able to win that championship in Roethlisberger's second year, I think, that team had it all. Their defense was outrageous. Their, their running game with the bus was outrageous. They had one of the most revered head coaches in the league at the time in Bill Cowher. I think either way you slice it up, the more I'm hearing you guys' arguments for and against, I mean, he's in on statistics. He's in on leading ability. Uh, and I think his contemporaries that he played with and that uh, are, are going to be there talking about him when it's his time to get in Canton, Maybe not first ballot, maybe not the first couple years. I think eventually, if if that's the criteria, he gets in. Because I Did think he, it's taken into consideration who he had to play, and it was in their primes that he had to play them to get there. Did he ever have a single season where he was the best quarterback in the NFL? I'm talking overall. Here's what I'll tell you. In 2008, he led the league in yards. And in 2010, he led the league in passing touchdowns. Never both at the same time. He led the league only in, in yards and in touchdowns twice. Was he ever the best quarterback? Was he ever a top three quarterback in the league? Well, if that's your argument, no. then I'm going to say you just 
If that's your argument for saying no, then I'm going to say you just lost your Deshaun Watson argument because you've used those exact same statistics that he led the league in yards and he let, he's led the league in touchdowns and he's done all the same stuff. Is Deshaun the new Phillip Rivers that you think at the end of his career he doesn't get in? He could be. Because, Absolutely. because it, sounds, it sounds like that's the class you're putting him in where you don't – it's sexy when it's happening, but 10 years in the future we're able to look back and say, eh, not that impressive. I'm saying I think it is future, impressive. Deshaun has a future that we can't predict right now. We're looking back on Phillip Rivers' 17 seasons with no Super Bowl appearances and no MVPs, and only of those two seasons did he ever lead the league. Deshaun's already led the league once, and in yards, that was yeah. last year. He had 4,800. I'm projecting in the next 10 years, I think Deshaun could be the, the, the cornerstone, the franchise quarterback of a championship team if things go right. Obviously, things yeah. have to go right. You have to have a good foundation around him. I'm saying Philip did have a good, right. I'm saying Philip did. If things don't go right, then then it doesn't matter. If things, yeah. I mean, if things don't but go back right. back in 2002, at the beginning of his career, it would have been the exact same thing. It would have been, hey, this guy's got a future. This guy is this. And maybe it, maybe it's a Texan situation where they just mismanaged so many different things and those little details added up over the course of time. Maybe the franchise was too committed to moving to L.A. for publicity and for money reasons that they didn't worry about putting the right championship pieces around Phillip Rivers and, and giving him that team he needed to win that championship. But, but you can't say on one hand – I think Deshaun has a future and Deshaun could be this and and take it away from Phillip Rivers when at this point in their careers, they've practically done the same thing. And I'm going to make the argument that Phillip Rivers did it in a time when it was harder. I look around the league and who's Deshaun up against for best quarterback? Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, all fantastic quarterbacks, all great dudes. But it ain't Tom Brady. It ain't Peyton Manning. It ain't those dudes. No, no, no. It's a different argument. But the point of the point of talking about his contemporaries, who he had to play around, and maybe why he didn't have some of those playoff wins, those those key playoff wins and appearances. I think that matters because if Deshaun loses to a Patrick Mahomes five years in a row from from here to to whenever his career is is done, if he loses to a Patrick Mahomes that goes on and wins six or seven Super Bowls. And he he has multiple losses to him on his resume. Does anyone look down on Deshaun for that? No. Yes. You you say, oh my goodness, Mahomes was just that good. Yeah, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is a Hall of Famer. You're mixing up my words. I think that if you would ask me ten years ago, will Philip Rivers ever get to a Super Bowl? I I would have said it's a it's a good possibility if if the cards fall properly. Unfortunately for Philip Rivers. You're probably right. After LaDainian Tomlinson, now let, let's not subtract LaDain, the fact that he had the best running back in the league for like three straight years. I think there was one year, 2005, I, I, I can't remember exactly. LaDainian Tomlinson had like 27 30, touchdowns. 35 total touchdowns. I mean, Crazy. Let's, let's, let's just be real. Um, also, though, I'm not, I'm not glorifying Deshaun Watson as a Hall of Famer yet. I think that he is a top five quarterback in this league today because of his potential future which is all the which is the entire in nfl that the the entire purpose is is hope i mean that's we come back every year we're fans of different teams most of the there's 31 losers every year and everyone always comes back and pays their money i think philip needed to get there once 
If Deshaun can't get to the Super Bowl, not once, but he ends his career with 60-something thousand yards and 400 touchdowns, unfortunately, I think he's going to miss the boat, and no one's going to care that he played against Patrick Mahomes. No one's going to care. The interesting part of this argument is it's almost polar opposite of Eli Manning because Eli has the Super Bowls but not the stats, and Philip has the stats and not the Super Bowls. So it kind of... Where, in a way, where you think Eli is is almost where you think Philip is because they're they're polar opposites of each other. Except I'm, I'm putting more emphasis on the win. I'm, he, he's won the Super Bowl twice. He's in. So you I think do, Eli's a, a Hall of Famer then? I'm not saying that if, if you asked me 10 years ago that we're going to have a backyard game and I get to like go out and just pick my quarterback and I have Eli standing over here with a bunch of average football players and I have Phillip over here standing with a bunch of average football players. Am I going to pick Eli over Phillip? No. I think talent wise, he's slightly better, but it's about what you do in the moment. And Eli in the moment rose to the occasion twice. That's a big deal too. I would say his defense rose to the occasion. Well, so did Baltimore. And that's why I'm saying that if it only happens the one like Joe Flacco, then it doesn't count. It was, it was, you played really well. And I give Joe a lot of credit for that postseason. But the fact that Eli did it twice, you can't argue it. And it's two Super Bowls uh, versus no appearances. I mean, I, that matters. It really does. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny that, that we're bringing up these two Super Bowls after what happened on draft day with, with those two. I think that's just a funny, <laughs> I didn't a even funny think about situation. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a funny situation to me, the fact that, they're both right on the cusp of greatness. And really, I really, really think that it has to do with where they landed. I mean, I think if either one of those quarterbacks lands on the Steelers, if Phillip Rivers lands on the Steelers, I actually think he has a, a much better career. And we, it's not even a question of, of – it's not a question of whether he's in the Hall of Fame. The way they draft wide receivers and the teams they put around them and the defense that that Steelers team has had through the years, I don't think it's a question. He's a Hall of Famer, and I think he's sitting at two or three Super Bowls. I think if he was that, on if he was on the I Cowboys, think. he would be a no-brainer Hall of Famer. The market he's in counts a lot too. Yeah, yep. Because Philip or uh, Tony Roma was considered a great quarterback. I never thought Tony Roma was really anything special, but everybody loved Tony Roma and thought he was awesome, just like they love Dak and think he's awesome. Because of the market that he's in, you take you take a, a Philip Rivers and you put him in that market with his personality. I, I'm going to 100% agree. For me, it just shows that sometimes the player matters less than the situation the player's in. Um, and and I'll use that for for any other segment that we talk about, and, and we can clock it episode three or four, whichever one we're on now at at minute number whatever this ends up being. Your situation and who you get drafted, the team you get drafted into, the coaches that you have around you will make or break your career more than your talent level or anything else. Because if, if you're a quarterback and you get drafted into a franchise that is notorious and really great at scouting receivers, you've got a good shot of success, especially if that same team is great at putting a defense together. I'm talking about the Steelers. If you're a great quarterback, potentially Deshaun Watson, with all the talent in the world, and you go to a team like the Texans who can't seem to get out of their own way even when they have pieces around them, you don't really have a good shot at having a long-lasting career unless you try to force your way out like Deshaun's doing right now. So you're Phillip saying, Rivers, so you're I saying think that is, 
as long as you're a quarterback with good stats, even if you lose every time, you're a Hall of Famer? No, I'm, and that's why I'm on the fence about this, because I get your argument, and I, I get the championship argument, and, and championships are important to me, which is why I don't put Dan Marino in my top five quarterbacks list. He's in a lot of people's top five all-time great quarterbacks. He's not there for me, and I'm a Dolphins fan, but he's not there for me because he doesn't have the Super Bowls. But I would never argue that he's not a Hall of Famer. I, again, don't think Phillip Rivers, especially depending on who he's up against to get into Canton, I don't think he's a surefire first ballot, but I do think, based off his statistics, eventually he gets in. Just like Eli Manning, I don't think they're going to give it to Eli, but with Eli's um, heritage, who he comes from, who his brother is, I don't think they they keep Eli out of the Hall of Fame either. I don't think he's first ballot either. I just think he'll get in eventually. He'll get in eventually. Phillip will get in eventually, I think. Um, and mainly that's going to be because of how people feel about him, how he was as a leader, who he had to play against, and what statistics he still put up. Um, yeah, if, I, if I think Phillip that's Rivers, where I stand on it. If Philip Rivers gets Point. in the Hall of Fame, then who doesn't get into the Hall of Fame? Because when you look at the careers of a lot of these quarterbacks, they're going to finish with a lot of stats. Matthew Stafford is going to have a lot of stats. He's going to have no Super Bowl. But he's never made, he never made the playoffs. Like that's yeah. he he exactly. rarely ever made the playoffs. Factor would matter. You're saying that playoff appearances and play and wins it doesn't and matter. I'm saying so Super Bowls don't matter. Super Bowls don't matter as much as you think. And we're Matthew. also factoring in contemporaries. Matthew Stafford played with the best, most freakishly athletic wide receiver of all time for six straight seasons while he dominated the league and only retired because he was tired of losing with a horrible franchise. I mean, let's face it. That's why Megatron retired early. That's my point, though, is that is that we put more emphasis, perhaps unfairly, on quarterbacks than we do other positions. LaDainian Tomlinson is a Hall of Famer. No one questions it. Calvin Johnson, I don't think anyone's questioning Calvin Johnson. But my point was, and you and, and I, I said in my opening um, argument, that I think that Philip Rivers is just a slightly better Tony Romo. And then I listed off Tony Romo's stats. Tony, Tony went to the playoffs six times. Um, I mean, at what point do you at what point do you draw the hard line and say this guy is, but this guy isn't? Because Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's going to finish with a lot of stats, but he's not going to have a lot of playoff appearances. He went to the Super Bowl once and almost beat Tom Brady in the New England Patriots. So is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? Matt um, Ryan gets held out just because he blew a twenty-one to three lead. He didn't even blow the lead either. That, that's not Matt Ryan's fault. It's a team sport. So, so let's let's just go down the list of guys that are going to compile a lot of stats, a ton of stats, but they're not going to have any success. Stafford, I think. Um, I think that's a good point, Jordan. I really think that's a good point. I think what we're going to end up doing in five years, and and maybe this this bodes for your argument. In five years, they're going to just like I'm saying, your contemporaries matter. They might take a look at who, what were the quarterbacks around him, what are their statistics. And if it averages out that he was an average quarterback for the era that he played, then you know what? Maybe he's not. Maybe when they when they say Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, uh, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, and they name off all these guys who had really long careers in this era, didn't really win a bunch. Maybe it's only Ben Roethlisberger that gets in because of the two Super Bowls with a slightly above average statistics. 
uh, I think I think that's a really good point. Um, we'll we'll leave it there. Move moving on to another topic. Wish him all the best in his retirement. Um, I, personally, I hope he gets in just because he was hilarious. He was he was entertaining. I at least hope that he gets some type of a commentator's job, just so that so we can still get a, a few uh, few Philip River stories. Some some good good entertainment there. All right, we also we talked about how big a hockey fans we are. So here's the hockey spiel that we have. Huge Capitals fan just found out that a bunch of Capitals players were put on COVID restrictions, uh, meaning they're not going to be able to play for four games in a shortened NHL season. Here's my problem with this. They were put on the COVID list for hanging out in a hotel room, uh, not wearing masks. I get it. They, they broke the rules. They should have to pay. They were, the team was fined $100,000. The players can't play for four games. Here's my problem with it. You mean to tell me that on these extremely long road trips, grown men can't hang out with one another? But they're, it's okay to hug each other after a goal celebration, to check each other into the boards, to sit shoulder to shoulder, laboring to breathe after their shifts in a game. NHL, I get that you have rules, but your rules seem pretty redundant. It seems like a lot of people didn't consider a lot of factors when coming up with these rules. If you feel that players aren't safe to hang out with one another when they're on road trips to play video games, to play cards, to do whatever it is they do when they're on these road trips, then you feel like the NHL shouldn't be playing a season the way they're playing it and they should be in a bubble. Am I the only one that feels this way? Now, before, before I let you guys go, I will say one of the players I found out yesterday did test positive for COVID. But on the flip side, two of the players, and the NHL should know this if they're testing, have already tested positive for the antibodies, and they're Russian players that have said they've already gotten the Russian vaccine that's been out months in advance of the vaccine that's just recently come out here. So what's the deal? Why is this not being considered? It's like the NHL is making these rules with one a hand over one eye. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think it's a problem across the board. I don't think it's just in the NHL. I think um, a lot of those rules are just for show. I mean, when you look at an NFL game, they the, the week leading up to a game during practice, they'll actually quarantine specific groups of players, special teams, offensive line. So that way, if one of them tests positive, they know that they can just quarantine that group of people as opposed to the whole entire team. But at the end of games, no one's quarantining. They all go out maskless. Everyone's hugging one another. People are asking for jerseys and swapping things. So um, I think it's, it's more for a show than it is for anything else to kind of appear like they're trying. Um, that there's no real there's no real answer to it though. Um, you can't you can't go nuts. So I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the situation. It is. It irritates me as a fan. I think the NHL. You've got to address it right now uh, because you're going to end up with a lot of players that either don't want to finish the season, don't want to participate in this, or uh, a lot of fans that don't care to watch the games because you're putting players in COVID restrictions after you've made it so that these are the longest road trips some of them will ever take in their career. Uh, all on four-point swings, uh, little mini playoff series during the season. NHL, you got a problem. You got to get it fixed now. Last point of the day, brought to you by your very own Jordan Slater. We got to talk about Dan Campbell. That interview that he had yesterday for the Lions, 
the dude is ready to fight people and punch them in the throat, and he hasn't even held his first practice yet. I I think the Lions really got it right with him. Uh, I remember when he was a Dolphins interim head coach. Man, he's a fun dude to watch. Did you guys see that interview? I, I thought Talking it was awesome. Bite people's kneecaps yep. off. <laughs> <laughs> he had me yeah. ready to run into a wall, and I don't even like the Lions. So. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I think uh, the Lions. They now have their coach. Uh, you can make the argument they have their quarterback already. Get some pieces around them, or or maybe they end up trading Stafford, going after uh, going after Jordan's boy, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I couldn't I couldn't let a podcast go by without bringing up Dan Campbell uh, as a, as a former Dolphins coach. I'm excited to see what he does in the league. I think he's another another diamond in the rough that that the Lions just just hit pay dirt on so jordan what do you got for us what's what's what what are, we, what are we finishing off with all right well i just woke up this morning i was scrolling through my sports news feed and i came across an interesting article dolphin nation is reporting that Xavier howard wants to renegotiate his contract now this caught my eye because Xavier howard is quite possibly ej's uh, favorite player on the Dolphins right now. And um, he wouldn't even give him up in our previous episode for Deshaun Watson. Um, the article goes on to say that when he signed in 2019, he was the highest paid corner in the league. But now, two years later, he's actually the sixth highest paid corner in the league. And that all of a sudden is um, not okay with him. Here's why I don't like this. And here's why I think if you have a guy in this position, it doesn't help your team. Do I think right now he's probably the best corner in the league? Yeah, probably. But if you if we had asked this question four years ago, who's the best corner in the league? I think all three of us would have said Josh Norman, right? He was the best corner in the league. Where is he now? Well, he's getting stiff-armed into the dirt by Derrick Henry. Um, let's go seven that. years. Let's go seven years, though. Seven years ago, it was Richard Sherman. All three of us would have said Richard Sherman, right? Well, I wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have said Josh Norman or Richard Sherman? I, I wouldn't have said either one. Okay, well, let's just follow this Let's follow this logic through, right? Okay. At one point in time, at some point, three, four, five years ago, these were the top corners in the league. I think Richard Sherman, I think it's not specifically his fault, but in the Super Bowl, he did not play well. And I think that their loss, at least partially, is, is on him. I think that what happens with these corners is that they're really, really good for about three or four years. And their flame burns so hot that they actually burn themselves out. And then they fall off a very steep cliff. Not everybody, but most. And I think if when you have a guy like Xavier Howard, who's already getting paid $13.5 million, there is no way you can pay him more. You're going to hurt your team, especially because you're going to pay him more when he's not as good. And um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts because – um, I don't think I don't think it's going to help your team, especially with a third overall pick. If you could find a way to get out of him, especially if it means that you can upgrade your quarterback, which is by far and away the most important position in the league. With the number three pick, if you if you manage to keep it, let's say you don't go for Deshaun, you still could get uh, Patrick Sertan from Alabama at three overall and replace him for a contract that's about twelve million dollars less. I would say to this, I, I saw that report 
and I saw it was Alan Pollard or, or whoever it was that reported it. The dude has nothing good to say about the Dolphins ever, it feels like, and he's always the conspiracy theorist. Um, while contract renegotiations are nothing new, the difference is those guys came into the prime in their late 20s and played really good until they hit around their 30s. Xavier Howard, if I'm not mistaken, is 25 or 26 years old. He still has multiple good years ahead of him. Um, they've got him for, I think, another three or four years on contract. By that time, he's 30. Yeah, maybe you don't sign him to another contract because for the life of a corner, he's lived out his life. I think when the Dolphins took the stance that they did, they, they put stuff on Twitter about sticking with Tua, and they put Ohana, which I guess means family in Hawaiian, on their Twitter with no other descriptions or anything like that. When people realize they're not taking the bite on Deshaun, now all these other stories start rolling Xavier Howard's always been linked to linked to trades and all sorts of stuff. Always been linked to trades because he's an expensive player. He's an expensive commodity and he's a corner. Yes. Other corners are getting paid. Byron Jones is getting paid more than Xavier Howard right now. That's what happens to the market. I don't think Byron Jones is a better corner. I think that's just the market for corners. You're going to pay a corner close to that. You are not going to get an Xavier Howard on the market. Like you said, he's the best. He's just coming into his prime, and he's just getting the help he needs. You haven't seen the best Xavier Howard yet because now the pieces around him and the help around him are just now coming to play. Byron Jones just coming to play. They just drafted another corner, uh, very youngest player in the league, actually, uh, Noah, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. He plays for the Dolphins, but every time I try to say it, I butcher it. Um, young guy, youngest player in the league. They just drafted him to to learn because he's such a freak athlete, apparently. They they are set up so that Xavier Howard can do Xavier Howard things on that side of the field. That's why you don't tamper with it. It's the same thing. Give him his money. We've got the ca salary cap space. If they're not going to – I don't think he's going to hold out because none of this is coming from Xavier Howard himself. None of it's coming from him. It's coming from this Allen guy, and Allen is the conspiracy theorist that, that's trying to link Tua and this and that. I also saw something that uh, the Texans aren't even interested in trading with the Dolphins now because of how they view Tua. And People come up with their own theories and their own stuff, just like we come up with our own opinions and, and everything on here. I don't think there's any truth to it, and I don't think the Dolphins ever really bid on it. I think media and people around, because of the mystique surrounding Deshaun Watson, come up with this stuff, and they're trying to manipulate and make moves. Agents are trying to manipulate and make moves behind the scenes. Um, I, I truthfully, I, whether there's truth to it or not, it doesn't really bother me, because what's he asking for? All right, you want to be the highest paid receiver. We'll renegotiate your contract. We're going to keep your base salary the same for your salary cap hit. And this year and next year, when we have extra salary cap space, we're going to pay you out a bonus. Now you're considered the top paid corner again. Congratulations, you just made an extra $10 million. I mean, it sounds crazy to us, but if that's the game that they're playing for a player that should win defensive player of the year as a corner, that will be – one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the league for the next three to four years, pay him. You're not going to get his talent anywhere else unless you grow it yourself. 
I, I think right now that team is set up that you, you got to leave it alone. I mean, Allen, I, I don't know if he's just a Dolphins coverer, but he, he wears Bill's clothes in his, in his spare time or, or what it is. But it seems like any article coming from him, one, I've never found – I'm sure there are some, so don't quote me as saying the dude's a liar or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Um, but I've never found much truth to the articles. They always seem like they're, they're theories and things like that or, or gossip or, or uh, murmurs or things like that. That's always what they feel like, and they never seem to be any type of positive spin on the Dolphins. So as a, as a team writer, maybe you're not the most positive guy all the time because you got to be truthful. Uh, in the media, but at the same time, you should have at least a few articles uh, praising the team that you're supposedly covering, highlighting some of the good points and trying to get the the fan base around the team that you're covering stirred up. I've never seen it with that guy. So any anything that comes from him, I usually tend to ignore. And, and I, when I saw that article this morning, that's kind of what I did. I read it and I was like, huh, okay. And, and I moved on past it. Um, I'm going to say you're going to see a bunch of articles like that come out. I predict, here's my prediction, that in the coming weeks, as the as the market uh, tends to ramp up for the, the, I guess, the league season that's about to start soon, you're going to see a lot of these come up when, when trades are available to happen as it, as it gets closer because people are trying to force their way out. People are trying to do stuff. Agents are trying to get their people paid because when the agent gets their people paid, the agent gets paid more. If Xavier Howard now becomes, again, the top salary-making cornerback, guess what? His agent gets a huge bonus because that two, three, four, five, whatever percent that agent gets, now it's 4% of the larger cut. So you're going to see a lot of these articles come out, and because the Dolphins showed that they're taking that step to be a successful team, because they're highlighted as maybe one of the most attractive free agent destinations – because they're already linked in trade talks with some of the top players in the league or, or some of the players that pretend to be the top player in the league. Um, you're going to see a lot more of this. So I ignore it personally, but we'll see. My daughter's decides she's just going to run across the room in, in high heel shoes. So that's cool. But I, I ignore it. Even if there, it is truth to it, it's not really that big a deal. You sure you don't want to? You sure you don't want to join her? That'd make for some good content, EJ. Yeah, I, I'm gonna pass on that. I <laughs> I do enough questionable stuff in my life. I'm not gonna <laughs> gonna run across my house in high heel shoes and post it to the internet. Pass. What do you, What do you think about it, Hunter? I mean, you, you've got the unbiased view. Me and Jordan tend to we're taking complete polar opposite views on this view on this on this topic we have for the past couple of weeks what are, you, what are you thinking the first thing i was thinking was what's the difference between the best corner and like the 10th the 15th best corner and it's a really big drop off when it comes in talent and it matters when you have a number one corner it i mean you're almost getting rid of half of the side of the field because i remember i don't remember what the year after the seahawks won their their super bowl they played um the green bay packers week one and I remember, I don't remember the name of the receiver, but after the game, he was pissed off at Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers wouldn't even look his way on the side of the field that Richard Sherman was on. So it's tough. Um, $12 million a year is, is a lot of money, but I think that's a position where the difference between that and if they say they were to draft Patrick uh, certain at third overall, 
13. 13. I think the the drop off is 13 would have to be a top five corner for it to be even worth it in my opinion. And I, I only correct you because his father was actually a, a Dolphins alumni, one of the greatest corners that ever played for the Miami Dolphins. You've got a so lot Patrick of tidbits Sertain. like that under your Patrick <laughs> under Sertain, your Patrick Sertain the third. It would be super cool to have Patrick Sertain the third play for the Miami Dolphins. That would be amazing. That being said, that's for you, Jordan. Um, you look at Richard Sherman, you look at Patrick Peterson, you look at Josh Norman, they had a decent corner opposite of them. It wasn't them on an island by themselves because exactly what Hunter just said, when you don't have that guy opposite of them, the quarterbacks just don't look that side of the field. And and Byron Jones is going to get picked on if Howard's gone. Howard got picked on more, and his statistics weren't quite as good before Byron Jones got there. I mean – I definitely. I leave well, here, alone. here, here's the first thing I thought of. Do you guys know the name of the Bengals' number one cornerback? No. He ranks as the the I think the tenth or eleventh best corner in the league. So I mean, that's that's the kind of drop off that we're talking about here. I totally understand that point. That the the difference between the best corner in the league and the difference between the tenth best corner in the league, there's a huge drop off. Um, and I made this point a little bit in more than just a little bit in our previous podcast. But my point is that the difference between a top five quarterback and say a bottom 20 quarterback, I think that drop off is huge too. Right now, Tua isn't scaring anybody. So if I had but to you give just up said the earlier corner, that you don't think Deshaun's top five. No, no, no. no. I you said, just he's said not earlier you don't think he's top five. Not what I said. I, I said, uh, look back because it's recorded. Um, I said, I said that, that if you had asked me about whether or not Philip Rivers would ever appear okay, in a okay, Super right. Bowl, I would have thought, I would have thought 10 years ago he would. Right now, Deshaun is a top five quarterback because of his age. I think that he stands a really good shot at getting there if he's not with the Houston Texans. But my point, my, my only point is that two is not really scaring him, anybody right now, but Deshaun, right now. Deshaun on Miami does. And so even if I have to give up the best corner in the league, while I agree there's a drop-off, I'm also increasing – I'm, I'm climbing the mountain in the position that's more important, which is the quarterback. Fair enough. So here's what here's where I'll leave it, and, and we'll, we'll end the pod for today because this is going down the, the same rabbit hole as last week. I Personally, I don't think Deshaun on Miami scares anybody because Miami can't put talent around them. Um, if Xavier Howard wants more money – I say as long as it's not a stupid amount, then pay the guy. If you can financially make it work to maybe kick the kick it down the road a little bit or spread out uh, a little bit of that bonus money so that it doesn't hurt the salary cap, um, but he gets the money that he wants, I say do it. Keep him happy because a, an unhappy player in your locker room, whether it's the best player in the league, is worse than having poor players in the locker room or, or poor poor talent-wise players in the locker room. So I would say as long as it's reasonable, give him what he wants. If there's truth to it, I highly doubt there's truth to it based off of who's reporting it. Um, great pod, guys. If you guys like it, hit the subscribe button. If you don't like it, drop us a comment. Tell us why. We may ignore it because – we don't really get paid for this, so we have that prerogative. If it's something cool that you want us to talk about or, or something that uh, you'd like to see us do more of or less of, let us know, and, and we'll, we'll take that into consideration. But 
if anybody did tune in episode three uh thanks for joining us we appreciate it you guys have a great day go bucks